He's got to be kidding, right? Don't tell anyone about this. They must have thought Jesus was joking, don't you think? I mean, after all, after you put your fingers in a guy's ear and you spit on your hand and you grab his tongue and you open him up, what else is that guy ever going to talk about ever again? This is the only thing that that man would have ever wanted to tell him. He was set for life, right? I mean, he was set for any icebreaker situation. Two truths and a lie, that guy's winning that game every time. But Jesus says, don't tell anyone. He's got to be kidding, right? He's got to be kidding or something else, right? I mean, he doesn't just say it once. The text seems to imply that Jesus insisted. Now, don't tell anyone. Did you hear me? Don't tell anyone. I mean, don't tell anyone. But the more he insisted, the more they went on telling. They must have thought he was joking. I'm going to suggest to you today that he was. But he was serious at the same time. Now, sometimes when we read this, we might get in our minds that Jesus is like a master of reverse psychology, right? Maybe Jesus is actually egging them on by telling them that he wants them to be quiet. After all, what's, what do you want to tell more than a secret? So maybe, right, maybe Jesus is saying, all right, keep it secret, guys, because he knows that the one thing humans can't do is keep a secret. Maybe it's all just a big game of reverse psychology, but I don't think that actually holds. Perhaps there's something else going on in our Lord's mind. Maybe there's some other reason that he commands the impossible. Maybe he enjoys being anonymous. Maybe Jesus is kind of like secret Santa. He doesn't want anyone to know what he's up to or what he's doing. He doesn't want anyone to know who it is that makes the sun shine and the rain fall and the crops grow. Maybe Jesus doesn't really want anyone to know about him. And that's why he says, don't tell anyone. But hopefully you see how unsatisfying that answer is. Jesus has come so that everyone may name his name. Jesus has come precisely to be known He's not interested in being an anonymous savior any more than he's interested in having you be anonymous Christians. Jesus wants to be known. The command cannot be that he just wants to be anonymous, that he wants to kind of avoid the spotlight. After all, Jesus had no problem with being under the spotlight. He didn't shy away from confrontation. He didn't shy away from the public eye. So what's this command all about? Surely he must be joking, and I've already told you that he is, but what do I mean by that? Well, maybe maybe it's like this. Maybe Jesus is just embarrassed. After all, if I do something embarrassing at home, I don't want anyone else to hear about it. And so maybe Jesus is ashamed a little bit. Maybe he's a little bit embarrassed that he got carried away and put his fingers in the guy's ear. After all, all they asked him was to lay his hands on the man, not to put his fingers in the ears, not to grab hold of his tongue. Maybe Jesus afterwards, after a little reflection, thought, you know, people are going to think I'm weird. People are going to think that this Messiah thing is not really suitable. After all, I shouldn't be invading people's personal space. But hopefully you see that can't possibly be the answer. Jesus is never ashamed. Jesus is never embarrassed. He wasn't ashamed to take on our human nature, and he's not ashamed to touch lepers, to touch 
the dead. Jesus is not embarrassed by his actions, no. So why? Why command this impossible command? Well, it's because Jesus is telling a story. Jesus' whole life is telling a story. And so throughout the story, he has to tell people, now wait, there's more. That's how good joke tellers work, don't they? That's how good storytellers work, don't they? They know about timing. In fact, timing is everything when you tell a joke. This is what's so hard for children. When they know the punchline, they just want to jump right to it, right? Because they know that's what makes people laugh. And what's better than hearing laughter? So little kids will oftentimes skip all the intermediate steps that set the joke up, and they'll just tell you the punchline, and it gets lost. Jesus gives this impossible command because he is the great divine joke teller. He is the divine comedian who comes into this world to bring laughter, real lasting laughter, because he's a serious kind of a joke teller, and those are the very best kind. Jesus' whole life, you can think of it this way, is building, right? Jesus' whole life is telling this story, and he doesn't want anyone to go out and speak of it until he's done. He doesn't want anyone to go away thinking that, okay, I've got it. I know everything there is to know about this guy until he can supply the punchline. And then, then all bets are off. But until that point, the command must be given, even if it's impossible to follow and will be entirely ignored. Jesus has to say, now be quiet. Don't talk about this, because what he's saying is, I have something more. There's more. This command that Jesus gave to this deaf and mute man who he had opened up is not the only time Jesus did this. He was a master of keeping people on the edge of their seats. It goes all the way back to his very first miracle. He was right after his baptism preaching in one of the synagogues, and there was a man with an unclean spirit who stood up and said, I know who you are, the Holy One of God, and Jesus cut him off told him to be silent and come out of the man. Now, you'd think, right? You'd think that Jesus would want people to know that he was the Holy One of God, and you'd be right in thinking that. But Jesus silenced that spirit. And he did the same thing, this same strange habit of our Lord of silencing someone who's telling a good thing. He cleansed a leprous man, and he told that man, now don't talk about this to anybody. Impossible, right? What else is a leper going to do than go around telling people, hey, you know who healed me? Jesus of Nazareth. Let me tell you his name, Jesus of Nazareth. Let me tell you what he did for me. He cleansed me of leprosy. But Jesus said, don't say a word. I'm not done. The story's not over. It's not time for the punchline yet. It happened again and again and again in the Gospel of Mark. Mark seems to delight even more than Matthew and Luke in showing how our Lord Jesus put this gag order, this temporary silencing on those who he healed. Maybe the most famous one is what he said to Jairus. You remember Jairus, don't you? Jairus, who was that leader of the synagogue, Jairus, whose daughter, whose 12-year-old daughter was sick. Remember how that story goes? He came to Jesus. He left his sick, dying daughter because he thought that maybe Jesus could help. And he went to Jesus, and he got Jesus, and he said, my 12-year-old girl, my 12-year-old girl, 
is near to the point of death. Can you come? And Jesus came, right? Remember this story? You remember Jairus, don't you? It's a wonderful comedy. It's a wonderful joke. It's a wonderful story. Because as it happens, Jesus delays, right? Jesus is going to the deathbed of a little girl, and instead of running there, he stops, You remember why, don't you? There was that woman who was in the crowd, and she had been bleeding for 12 years, and she reached out and touched the hem of his robe, and she was healed instantly. And Jesus told everybody to stop. And you can imagine that Jairus was thinking, oh my gosh, what are you doing? (laughs) My daughter is sick. She's almost dead. Why are we stopping, Jesus? And then Jesus made everybody just wait there. Remember this story? Jesus made everybody wait. See how he has this wonderful sense of timing? Jesus made everybody wait until that woman worked up the courage to stand up and say, "Um, it was me. And then he commended her. And you can imagine that Jairus is watching all of this and hearing all of this and looking at whatever kind of first century clock he had and thinking, all right, Jesus, let's go, buddy. Let's hurry up. My daughter's sick. She's almost dying. And right when Jesus commends that woman, all of a sudden, here come some messengers from Jairus' house and they say, sorry, boss, too late. She's dead. Don't bother. And Jesus says, fear not only believe. Now just think of what kind of a divine comedian Jesus is. He is the kind of divine comedian who holds the cards close to his chest. And I'm sure it caused Jairus and those in his household all kinds of pain in that moment to think we could have gotten there. But you had to stop, Jesus. We could have gotten there. You could have healed her. You could have saved her. But now, now it's all too late. And why? Because you wanted to commend some woman for touching your robe? Fear not, only believe, he said, to build the suspense. And when he got to the house, remember how it happened? There were all kinds of people mourning. And they said, she's dead. And Jesus said, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. And they laughed at him. They laughed not the laughter of joy, but the laughter of mockery, the laughter of scorn. But Jesus was still keeping the cards close to his chest. And so he goes into the house and he takes that little girl by the hand, Talitha Kume, he said, and raised her up. And then do you know what he said? Don't tell anyone. You've got to be kidding me, right? You've got to be kidding me, Jesus. You just came into my house and raised my daughter from the dead, and I'm not allowed to talk about it? I'm not allowed to tell anyone? I'm not allowed to call grandma and grandpa? I'm not allowed? She's not allowed to go to school and tell her friends, hey, listen to this story. Listen to what happened to me this weekend. Don't tell anyone, Jesus said, because there's more. See, good storytellers keep you engaged in the story don't they? Good joke tellers hold the punchline until just the right moment. And that's what Jesus was doing. That's why Jesus said, don't tell anyone, don't say anything to anyone. He even did it to his own disciples, right? There was that great confession that Peter gave when Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And Peter said it right, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, good, now keep it to yourself. Don't tell anybody. 
And best of all was when he had gone up on the mountain of transfiguration, right? When he showed them his glory, when his clothes shone with whiteness and brightness that no soap on earth could ever cause. And then he was coming down the mountain and he looked at Peter and James and John and he said, wasn't that awesome, guys? Wasn't that cool? Don't talk about it. Until the Son of Man rises. It's at that point, it's at that point and only at that point that the gag order is lifted. It is at that point that the punchline has been told. It is at that point that Jesus says, this is it and there ain't no more. It's all of those other instances where Jesus is saying, hold on, there's more. Just a minute, there's more. You think that's cool? Watch what I do next. Hold on tight because something greater is coming. But when he rises, when he rises, then he says, go and tell everyone. And do you remember what the women did? They were terrified and astonished, and they didn't say anything. And so Jesus had to come to them and explain the joke, right? I have died, but behold, I live. I have taken on myself the sins of the whole world. I have opened not just ears and a mouth, but I have opened the grave. I have opened the way to everlasting life. It's okay to talk about Ladies, it's okay to go tell Peter and James and John and all of the rest. And so finally they did. But the disciples didn't quite get it yet either. After all, some of us are a little bit thick. Some of us are a little bit dull. We don't get the joke the first time or even the second time. And so Jesus came to the disciples and he said, guys, don't you get it? Do I have to explain everything to you? Go into all the earth and proclaim to every creature the good news. It is finished. Go into all the world and proclaim everything that I have ever done for everyone under the sun. See, it's not until that point. It's not until Jesus has died for your sins and risen from the dead. It's not until that point that all of the deeds of Jesus are finished. Just think of how it would have gone, right? Just think of that deaf and mute man there going out and telling his friends, hey, let me tell you about Jesus of Nazareth. He opened my ears. He opened my mouth. They would have looked at him. I'm sure they would have been happy. They probably would have laughed with him. This is great news, man. You can finally hear my voice, and I can finally hear your voice. But, you know, that's cool for you. What's it got to do with me? The resurrection opens the door. Do you see? The resurrection opens up the good news of Jesus, not just to those who walked the earth with him, not just to his friends and companions, not just to those who had the good fortune to be around when he was walking and they could say, hey, come to my house and heal my daughter. The resurrection opens the joke to include you. The resurrection opens the story to include you. Jesus has come not just to heal people long ago, but he has come and he has died and he has risen and he sits at the right hand of God now to put joy in your mouth, to give you a story worth sharing, to give you something to laugh about. Jesus is the divine comedian, dear friends, and he will not be satisfied until each and every one of you gets the joke. And he will not be satisfied until each and every one of you not only gets the joke, but learns to tell it in your own way. Jesus wants mouths open that can speak plainly. That's why he opens ears, because you can't speak what you don't first hear. Our trouble is we're always a little bit afraid to talk, aren't we? 
We're always a little bit unsure, is this really worth saying? I mean, people have heard about Jesus, haven't they? I mean, aren't they going to get tired if I'm always talking about Jesus? If I'm always talking about the forgiveness of sins, won't it get old? If I'm always telling the same story over and over again, won't people, you know, look at me and say, oh, here comes that guy. He's only got one story. The gospel never gets old. The punchline never wears thin. The forgiveness of sins never becomes old news. No big deal. I guess I get to live forever in heaven with Jesus. Whatever. Never tire of hearing this story because Jesus never tires of telling it. Never tire of hearing this story and of singing the story back to God in praise and speaking of it with your friends, with your children, with your neighbors, with anyone who will listen to you. Isn't that what you do when you enjoy something? You talk about it, right? So if you like Notre Dame football, you talk about the game yesterday. I don't know why you would do that, but some people in this room, they're weird, right? (laughs) Better than football, better than a joke is Jesus. He has given you a story, dear friends. He has given you something worth talking about, something that never gets old. In fact, in fact, the more you talk about it, the better it gets. The more you tell the joke, the funnier it becomes. The more you laugh, the more you speak of these things, the better they are. So do not be silent, right? Do not be quiet. Jesus has lifted the gag order. It didn't even work in the first place. But he no longer says to you, don't tell anyone. Now he says, proclaim it to anyone who will hear. In praise, we speak these things back to our heavenly Father, and in witness, we speak it to the world all around us so that they may laugh with us, the laughter of joy and gladness for what our Lord Jesus has done. Truly, he does all things well. To him be the glory now and always. Amen.